Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you've taught us what to believe. Help us by the Holy Spirit, for the sake of Jesus Christ, to hold fast to your word and do your will. With cleansed hearts, strong in faith and perfect in holiness, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, this is where, you know, the pastors will have a powwow this week and they'll try to decide what to do about Bible study. If we have it, are you guys going to come over the next couple of weeks? Or should we just take a couple of weeks off? We should have it. Would you come? Yeah. <laughs> this is that biblical passage about the spirit is willing, but the flesh, oh, the flesh. Some days a week. All right, at least, nec- at least next week. You're still good for next week? Still the four, you get four Sundays this year. That's like a big bonus. Yeah, some of you will, by attrition, go see your kids in the Sunday school. We actually talked about that, whether we should go, you know, against that. or. But Okay, so we'll go again next week. We'll see what happens. Um, anything about last week? A little field trip next door? Everybody's okay? All right, questions about anything? So the point is to try to keep the surfaces hard. I don't think Mr. Mueller's here, but you know he has that button that says, you know, carpet, bedrooms, not churches. You've seen that button? <laughs> so uh, what you want to do is you want to keep all the surfaces hard. You'll, you'll hear more, but, you know, the walls will stay. Although if you peeked in the one back corner, you know, they have walls like this, but in the one back corner, um, there was a practice go at stuccoing the walls to, with a very thin sheet so that it'll look a little more... Uh, sanctuary-ish, uh, and take a color. Uh, but there'll be stone and tile on the floor. The walls will be a hard surface, and then the ceiling will, um, it'll remain much like this, which isn't bad. It isn't great. It isn't bad. It isn't great. It isn't bad. So, uh, and then if you, you noticed there was uh, a bit of purple on the, purple into blue on the ceiling, which is an ancient tradition uh, did you like that? Have you seen that before ever? you seen purple and blue on the ceiling? Did you notice there are four different colors? Do you want to vote? <laughs> more blue, more purple, more light, more dark. Holly, you want to vote? You have you second one from the... You're facing them. The second one from the right? Like this. I will pass that on. I know you don't have, get much access to the pastors, so I'm going to go ahead and, <laughs> and fire that in to the proper to the proper voice. You know, there's this ancient. There's an ancient. Uh, as somebody, as one one of the consultants said to me, it's what the immigrants did when they came over. I thought, well, that makes sense. You'd sort of uh, you'd make it blue and then actually put stars up. And I was actually just visiting in St. Louis, and I walked into a. Uh, I was at a place where there was a chapel, a very nice chapel, a gorgeous chapel, I mean, to die for kind of chapel. And it was, uh, I looked up and it was um, blue with colored stars. The whole point is that uh, it's all the stuff we sing about, um, that, that, that the world opens up and that heaven drops down. And so if you, it's an unbroken, you know, there's this unbroken notion between you and heaven that you and God, uh, that God comes to you and all is well. So you get that kind of put in the sky up. You know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, the, um, I'll try to keep you posted, and we'll, we'll try to put stuff, you know, roughly every, every other week in the bulletin. The, um, the next thing, the font was ordered um, this week, so that's a great big deal because it's one piece. It's at least a cast piece. Five feet around, my big fear is that one of you will drown in it. You know, it's huge. But then baptism is huge, so it all kind of fits together. But you'll get stuff about that. If you have questions along the way, you should ask, like Judy O'Neill does. I was just going to couple other 
were so sassy, Judy. So, so sassy. And <clears throat> she said, where does the screen in the praise band go? <clears throat> I said, you know, here's the thing. I'm turning off my microphone. Here's the thing. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, now that I'm an old man and broken, uh, you know, I actually don't care to argue with anybody about anything. My job is to deliver. I'm going to do the best I can. So I always do take some joy that in the Eucharist that it couldn't possibly have gone wrong. Uh, so, well, you know, we'll deliver as best we're able and see what happens. But it should be fun, you know. And when we'll get in, I don't know. Um, the guys who worked on the demolition, you know, Mr. Moom and, you know, Marty Johnson and, and uh, you know, all those guys, Steve and Rich Wren, and the, the, the guys they gathered, they, were, they, that just, they saved us so much money. But the next kind of thing is the permitting will go on, and then um, one by one things will be bid out, and we'll see what happens. So um, we'll keep you posted. If you have reactions along the way, you should kind of let us know. Um, you know, we can't really... Uh, furnish the sanctuary by, you know, voters meeting. But we have taken a load of counsel from seminary professors and college professors and artists and, and people who, artisans and people who do it. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully it'll all work out okay. Our questions about any of that stuff? So keep yourselves in the loop. Uh, you know, I, I, I never know whether I should come back to what we were doing or not, but I think we should just because, one is it's been busy and we've missed some people along the way. But two is, um, I'd like you to settle in with all of this as a pattern for your life as opposed to a one-off thing that we talked about one day a long time ago. I'm just trying to figure out if you can, this would be one of those things you should hold on to as you go. Now, I don't have a money bag. What's Judas without a money bag, you'd ask? So if there was one, Carol, thank you. We'll give the money. If you put money in the bag, we'll give it to somebody else. How's that for a deal? Okay. Does anybody need an outline? I got some left. Anybody need an outline? Don't be shy, because otherwise I have to toss them away. So can you, can you hand them out for me? Uh, thanks. Um, you should have all gotten with one quote, a, a new thing. And then I have actually um, this quote from, um, on anger from last week, if anybody wants that. If you weren't here last week, uh, raise your hand, and then you can get this quote right here. Uh, Carol, Ghana? Finn needs money. We'll send it to Ghana. Perfect. Also, I need uh, an LWML, I need a big shot LWML woman after this uh, Bible study. So, now see, that'll be self-excluding. Uh, it's like I said to some little girl this morning, I said, hey, beautiful. She goes, hey. I'm like, perfect. You know exactly who you are. It's great when kids do that. You know, they're just like, well, of course I'm beautiful. What else do you want to talk about? So uh, that's, that's a good way to go. So, um, you know, I ne actually need an, L I I'll take an impromptu meeting of the LWML immediately after this. I have a request from Tim Quill at the seminary for all of you. So, um, yeah, from last week, if you weren't here last week, just raise your hand. The thing on anger is, a, is a, if you've got it, that's okay, too. Uh, it might be. It should. One is different. The, the one with the Latin bit on the top is different. All right, here we go. Um, you remember, and we'll, maybe we'll come back to this at the end, but we read uh, in the middle of 103, 
And it's uh, Psalm 103. We read a bit about Psalm 103. And basically, this is how to get your life squared up. Very practical stuff. Maybe we'll go back and read that if we have time. Maybe we won't. I don't know how much time um, you'll have. But you remember where we started. We started with the Lord and what the Lord is going to do. What the Lord wants to do is get everything uh, reconciled, to make everything peaceful, to make the world a loving place, especially in the church. Now, many times, people's experience in the church is really different than that, than reconciliation. Um, In fact, it's stunning how hard it is to be church uh, and not just play church, you know. So um, you've got to kind of remember, I don't have the big board, so we have to abbreviate. Um, So uh, the first thing that we had up there was what? Do you remember? Where did the psalm start? This is way back when. Do you remember where it starts? Yeah, we started, I'm sorry, no, we started in Psalm 103. The first thing we sort of marked in Psalm 103, around about verse 6 or something. The trouble was, the trouble with your life and mine is what? Ah, good. We actually went more specifically than sin. We actually went all the way to evil. Name me some evils, okay? Ready, go. Name me some evils. Yeah, sure. You don't know anybody who's ever done anything wrong. Yes, I'm sorry, what? Yes, you've got a horrible sinful self. Yes, you do. I won't put your name on the tape because this will be on the internet. I don't want people to come to your door like they did in Frankenstein with the torches and the pitchforks and all that. You're right. You're horrible. But you're our horrible, so take heart. Okay, um, you got it. But, but if you're going to say about evil, what happens to you that are evil things? Tell me some evil things. Yes, there are people in life who cheat and lie and steal and kill and abuse and anger. They get angry. They, and, people, and what else? People, sometimes they don't go to church and keep going. Yes, there are some people who aren't happy with what they've got. Um, people die. People hurt you. Uh, people are bigger than you are. And when evil becomes... Um, Let's just say it this way. When evil gets applied to you in any of its forms, from um, somebody snubbing you to somebody saying horrible things to you to somebody saying horrible things about you to somebody else getting something that you don't want and you don't like that to any of the things that are unfair in life to people being sick in the hearse yesterday coming back from the funeral. Um, You know, the guy was asking me about a 24-year-old woman who has pancreatic cancer, what should be said to her. Life seems horribly unfair to her. Just married, about a year, and uh, pancreatic cancer is a difficult one. So normally then, uh, when evil hits you, your first response is, according to the psalm, you remember this? What is it? Come on now, I'm glad we did this again. I wouldn't want you to forget. If I punch you in the nose, your normal response is angry. We could do a children's sermon right now. You could punch me in the nose. I could tell you how you feel about it. But <laughs> since I forgot a paper bag, and a little, we'll just keep going, okay? So, um, oh, that's so, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, hold that. We're going to need that. That's going to be the next way. So the next place that, that we get is anger. And uh, then we talked about how people get stuck in this loop. And for many people, that's as far as they ever go. And that's the Kleinig thing that you have handed out for you today. So in front of you, and it's so, one of the things about Kleinig is he's so good about identifying what's coming. In the back door attack, Satan attempts to gain a secret foothold by attacking our love for fellow Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So this can even, it can happen anyway, but if it can happen in the church, it can happen anywhere, right? This is how it works. After the offense has occurred, 
so I say something horrible about you, or maybe I just ignore you, or maybe you feel like I've done you wrong in some way, or you've done wrong to me, or your wife, or the man you work for, or pick something. Somebody's kid, you know, gets something you don't want, uh, or, or that your kid, you want for your kid. Have you ever been to Park District Soccer on a Saturday in Wheaton? Yes, right. Why does the referee keep coming over to parents and saying, would you stop? Why does that happen in the second grade? I'm just curious. I don't know. Because why? Because people don't get what they want. So after the offense has occurred, Satan gets us to brood over it. So it, I, I just, it's, it's, the Psalms are very realistic. When somebody hurts you or when evil happens to you, it's very painful. And in fact, we don't realize it, but when we do evil to somebody else, it's actually very, we hurt ourselves. We, we, don't, we usually feel good about it for a little while, you know? When we get revenge, we usually feel good about it for a little while, but, but any evil hurts the other person, it hurts ourselves. After the offense has occurred, Satan gets us to brood over it, like a stuck track or a video loop, whoop, repeatedly and obsessively in our minds, with ever greater emphasis on the gravity and injustice of it. So a little thing becomes a great big thing. As we process the offense and its effect on us, Satan gradually distorts our remembrance and our assessment of it. This is why Matthew 18 says, go alone, and encourages you to go quickly. Because a year later, nobody can really remember what happened. They just have this distorted picture of what happened. I can't remember what was said. You can't remember what was said. We can't remember why you're so angry. Have you ever had this, where you have people in a family, or you're mad at somebody? And you've got to actually kind of think about why you're still mad at them and not talking to them. Because what happens is, over time... Everything gets distorted. It's the funny mirrors, right, at the, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the fun house. He uses the offense to encourage us to bring our mental accusations. You notice how we don't bring it out the way Scripture says? We have mental accusations against the offender in the court of our minds. There he presides over the proceedings, as opposed to the next step where God presides. So now Satan is presiding over the proceedings as we hold a secret trial in which we both prosecute and pass judgment on the wrongdoer. The more we brood on the offense, the angrier we get against the offender. We remember all the other offenses that we have suffered from that person. You know how so sometimes a little offense drags along all the other things somebody's done wrong? This happens in marriages, right? You get mad at, at, about, at your spouse about something, and then you said, and then last year you did this, and the year before you did this, and I remember right after we were married you did that. It's like a train that's going by, and you're just going... Oh, will this never end? It'll never end, you know? We remember all the other offenses that we've suffered from that person and all the other people that have ever hurt us, right? Poor me. I'm the victim. We make ourselves the victim. And that fuels our anger and desire for justice. Okay, so now we've got to talk, we're going to have to talk about that. We maintain that we are in the right. We are justified in our judgment of them. We hold the moral high ground against them. You ever seen that? So I'm really good and you're really bad. And if you want to talk about it, the most important thing to remember is I'm really good and you're really bad. So I'm going to talk to you under these terms that I'm really good and you are, repeat after me, really bad. Thank you very much. That's going to make it go so much easier for us later, okay? <laughs> so we maintain that we're right, I'm, you know. Therefore, before we know it, Anger leads to bitterness and resentment. This, in turn, leads to outrage, hatred, lust for revenge, and so we end up stewing in our own poison. You remember I said to you that um, 
one of the brilliant things I heard is that, that anger is like drinking poison expecting somebody else to die. I hate you so much, I think about you all the time. I hate you, I hate you so much, I think about you all the time. That doesn't destroy you, that destroys me, right? Which, of course, is exactly what Satan wants. When we begin to hate those whom we should love, oh, there it is, Satan has, has us where he wants us. Once hatred sets in, he can slowly and patiently dislodge us from the church and from Christ. So people keep, stop coming to church, and they stop having faith. I mean, that is so, one of the things about John Kleinig is he's so brilliant and basic and pastoral and practical all at the same time. That's why there's very few guys like, like John, and when he comes, you know, pay attention to him. Now, the problem with that is, um, and now Fred will go to where you were going, there were two ways that things can be reconciled in the psalm. Remember, one was, what was the first one? Kleinig message here. Justice is here. And the other one is mercy. Thank you very much. So we are still there. Now Fred and Pastor Nelson was so helpful. Justice always involves some sort of payback. Yes. Right. It always involves some sort of payback. Right? The Lord squares things up. Um, The problem with that is if everybody gets paid back, then everybody is what? Dead. Right. If you want everything completely paid up, squared up, everybody gets what they deserve, the problem with that is, since we're all sinners and all evil, everybody's dead. On the mercy side, Pastor Nelson was brilliant about this this morning. Um, What's on the mercy side? Remember, forgiveness is a good way to talk about. He talked about forgiveness. He talked about gift. He said it in about a dozen different ways. Yeah, all of those things. Perfect. And if everybody's forgiven, then everybody, what? Lives. Thank you very much. Now, the practical problem with this is really the next step, and that's about where we are. The next step would be what? Remember? The next step is your growth in Christ. And this is about where we are. We need to talk about this. And this is actually the loop you want to be stuck in rather than this loop. The whole deal is to move from this loop. You remember we talked about this. This has a shelf life of roughly a day. This needs to be uh, exposed to the light. Matthew 18, you go alone. All the stuff we talked about. You can be angry if you're righteously angry. I doubt my ability to do that. Maybe you have a special gift, but Um, after all, it's over in about a day. But the whole thing is to get moved into this. Now, the problem with this, there are problems with that. What what, what are the problems with that? With being caught in that loop? Or, uh, let me just put it to this way. What's the problem with being a Christian? What's the problem? It is painful. It is hard. Why is it painful and why is it hard? Why does it, very well said, it goes against your human nature. Why does it go against your human nature? Yes, you don't get to be God anymore. That's very theologically correct, but sort of dumb that down for me. You don't get to be God, which is right, but when you don't get to be God, then what? Then what? Yes, perfectly done. You're not in control. And if you're not in control, what will happen? Somebody else will. What will happen to the person who hurt you? Yes, they might get away with it. 
and then there's no payback. You see how this works? See, so now you're back here because what happens if people don't get paid back? How will anything ever get square? How will the world ever? Ah! Do you really want to live in a place where people can get away with stuff? Do you really, really want to live in a place where people get forgiven? Do you really want to have absolute? No, you do not. Because I've been around you. You know, you, we just, you know, people say that, but they don't really want to because it's so painful. Just grab your little Bibles and open them up here. We'll take a look at some of this stuff. Yes, you can protest if you want, Carol, but I have centuries of church history on my side. <laughs> you're right, of course, you know, you're right. I, it is no fun, that's right. But part of what I'm, I'm going to try to push you toward is how you can remain in the growth mode uh, even though it's no fun. No, it is fun. Oh, yeah, sure it is. Uh, <laughs> push to Hebrews, if you will. I'm having a blast. Uh, you know, just, 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 just push the Hebrews, if you will. You know? I, I take your point. You know? it, is, it is fun some days, but when people die or when people are cruel to you, or you know, take, the, take the most horrible things when people... Uh, take this 24-year-old girl who's got pancreatic cancer. I mean, there's no fun. But really, the answer is, is to get her to push her here. And then, do you remember, you remember the last thing we had there? We might as well put it there so we don't forget to get it. I've lost my purple thing. But what was the last point then? Oh, yeah. And the whole question is how you can go in this. What you want to do is not be from evil to anger. You want to be from growth to hope. That's where you're trying to go. But the question is how to stay in this. How do you say to somebody who's 24 and has pancreatic cancer, you should just be hopeful? You know. Well, it can be, but it takes a little bit of work, right? That, that's right. That's, that's right. But there may, be, um, uh, there may be a way that we can say it that we get it a little better. So if you look at, I'm at point nine, and I'm just going to, I just want to read a couple of these to you. So I'm going to read the second one first. Hebrews 5, 11 to 15. Okay. Now, the Hebrews is written to Jewish folks, so they knew the Old Testament, and it is in, in many ways an admonition to see Christ as the high priest, and then to live as faithful folks who know a lot, who are the chosen people. But look at how Paul has to talk to them. Um, Hebrews 5.11, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain. So here's the first throwaway. It's not that easy being a Christian. It's hard to understand it in some ways, and it's harder to do it. About this we have much that's, that's hard to explain, since you've become dull of hearing. And there's a run of things like people don't come to church, they don't come to Bible study, they don't read their scriptures, and when they hear it and it doesn't agree with them, which means they're not going to get the payback they're looking for, Forget it then, I'm not going to listen to this. We have a natural reaction against the gospel because it doesn't give us what we feel is right. We feel like people are going to get away with stuff. We feel like we'll be victims. We feel like it'll never get squared up. On the contrary, the texts say for you to be patient and let the Lord do the work. That's going to be the big deal. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... This is verse 12. You need someone to teach you, again, the first principles of God's word. So you know what? There's this ongoing teaching. Stay near your text. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He's a child. 
but solid food is for the mature, for those, now look at this, who have their faculties trained to practice, by practice, to distinguish good from evil. So part of Christian maturity is actually sticking with it and learning through the thick and thin. This is why mature people, and hopefully you'd think older people in your congregation, are so valuable. This is why the church is not a democracy where everybody has a vote about doctrine and one doctrine is as good as another. The scripture is absolutely against that. Against the notion that doctrinal things or spiritually mature things are votable. Yeah, things like buying land are votable. That's fine. But the scriptures say this is very difficult. Everybody's on this trail from milk to meat, from immaturity to maturity. And the people that you listen to are the people who have been trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. That is, people who have been trained by practice to live over here and not to live over here. This is to be Christian. This is to be antichrist. And it's not true in the church you can just live any way you want and that everybody should just let that go. Now, we indulge everybody. We welcome everybody. But there is a Christological standard for how we live. Okay? Now, it may not look like... You don't hear what I'm not saying. It doesn't, the Christological standard doesn't look like payback. It looks like knowing that Jesus will sort things out so you don't have to. Okay? Still with me? Still okay? It's extraordinarily important... Um, to get that right. Uh, now, in your Bible, we're in Hebrews. I want you to go to First Peter, which is just going to be, you know, 20 pages to the right. So First Peter 1. So first thing is, is you know what? You're going to get some experience. And that's how you learn. And there's no other way to get it than by experience. This is why, real honestly, new people who are... You know, and remember, this is said about ordination, too. You know, Paul says to Timothy, gosh, don't, don't make pastors out of guys who are really new to the faith. You'll destroy them. You'll destroy people. If they haven't been in the faith for long, you make them pastors, you'll absolutely destroy them. It's too difficult. Um, you know, the last year, if anything, um, well, one of the knocks on pastors always is, it's not that big a deal. You just wander in the door and go to the altar. Um, the last year should have disabused you of that notion. Especially for any of you who are leaders and have had the sort of psychic angst of shared that with pastors and elders. Um, it's been extraordinarily difficult. However, I'll tell you to a person, uh, for governing board people and for elders, they're all better people than they were a year ago. Because they've all been tested by fire and they've all learned from experience. So we're not the same people we were a year ago. None of us, not me included. Okay, so now, uh, one is... That has to happen in the church. Two is 1 Peter 1, 1, 7 to 9. So go to verse 7. <clears throat> uh, the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which though perishable is tested by fire, so that your faith may redound to the praise and glory and honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. So... Um, what happens to you in the church is that you're made pure the same way that gold is made pure, which is it uh, is put to tremendous stress, tremendous heat, 
and then you, you learn what you value. So that was the AOR thing about knowing where your idols are. So in the, in the heat, in the stress, you remember we talked about what anger is good for? The good thing about anger is it tells you what you value. When you're put to the heat, you find the things that you're, you're grabbing onto. And then you have to look at those things and by experience, Hebrews, tell whether or not the thing you're holding in the hand is worth holding in the hand. And part of what happens in the purification is you drop the things that are not valuable or which are idolatrous, but you hold the things which are uh, extraordinarily important. And that again comes by experience. You come by experience to see what your idols are. You know, idols need to be smashed. You come by experience to find out what needs to be smashed and what needs to be held to. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ by his great mercy. So, mercy is the key. We've been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is verse 3. That's baptism talk. And to an inheritance which is imperishable. See, we're trying to get the things that are imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. What are the things that are important? Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Patience, friends. Patience. This gets revealed at the last time. The trick of being a Christian is to be able to live here even when it feels like this. It feels like this, and yet you respond like this. That's the, that's the trick of being a Christian. And that's what's so blasted difficult, because really, honestly, um, that is painful. Uh, now it's been left in your Bible to John 15. How painful is uh, spoken of by Jesus himself? And, you know, people love this, and they, they read these texts, and, but I don't know that we really take the analogies as seriously as we should. I mean, this is a very popular text, but I just think that maybe we don't know what we're talking about sometimes when we say, uh, I'd love to be, you know, vine and branches, vine and branches. Well, you know, have you been in a vineyard? I can remember being in a vineyard once where the whole place was covered with smoke. I actually happened to be in the mountains above it, and I couldn't see what was underneath it. There were what I thought was clouds. It turned out to be smoke when I got below. Um, it was a vineyard that was being pruned and then burned. You know, it was gorgeous, and it smelled great. It was very painful if you happened to be the vine. Okay, so here it is. I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. So Jesus got pruned and you get pruned too. Jesus suffers and you suffer as well. That might be the first thing to say to that young woman. Well, Jesus suffered, and the way of Jesus is often suffering. So that, that's kind of the first place. The next thing, of course, you say is that Jesus is always with you in your suffering, and he actually absorbs your suffering. At some point, he absorbs your suffering out of you and cleanses you, takes your suffering away. That often comes at death. Uh, but nevertheless, he does what he says he's going to do. So the father's the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. So the first thing he does is he takes away the dead stuff. There'll be, a, and this should be comfort to you now, in in a weird way. I, I've never been able to take much comfort in the, in the pain of other people. Um, I don't know that it's a good thing for you to be able to do. So I probably misspoke there, but you should just know. One of the ways that he squares it up by justice is trimming away dead things. So you should, have, you should just remember, the Lord will get it done. At some point, no matter how bad it gets for you, the Lord is going to get it done. He's going to get it done. 
Because in the end, and we say this all the time, in the end, the Lord's going to return and square things up. So it's not left to you to square things up. It's up to you to live like a Christian, which looks something like um, a gentle admonition and a generous kind of love. That's what it looks like. So um, every branch that bears no fruit, he takes away. So he'll, he'll, he'll square it up. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So here's the thing. Sometimes when people um, suggest to you that pain is punishment, and many times it is punishment, but it can also be the other thing. It can be a way to clip something that's dead. Uh, well, let's just say it looks exact. If you trim things, if you've ever trimmed anything, your action to trim uh, on your roses, your action to trim the dead stuff away looks exactly when you trim back at the fives. Who grows roses? You know, you trim back at the fives, right? Yeah, you trim it at the fives and then a new thing grows. Not at the four or the three or the two. You count back until you find five leaves, you trim above the fives, and then a new rose will come out there. But the action looks exactly the same, which is why it's so difficult because we look at people and we say, you got sick, or uh, your friend died, or you lost your job, or you whatever. And we say, oh, the Lord must be punishing you. Not so fast. You know, not so fast. It looks often the same. The Lord punishes people who don't come to church, who don't go to the Eucharist, who aren't respectful, who lie, who cheat, who steal. Often, the Lord also trims people who are very faithful so that the next big thing can happen. Why? Because then... They are, as the first text said, trained by the challenge, disciplined for the next thing, ready for something that's bigger and better. Their faculties have been trained by pain. Uh, their lives have been purified by fire. So here it is right here. And you thought being a Christian was going to make your life better. Okay, so, you know, um, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, which means... He prunes faithful people so that he can get more out of them. So you may take what's happened to us in the last year as um, punishment unto death, or you may take what's happened to us in the last year as, wow, we had some things that really needed to be cleaned up. We had some dead things that needed to be smashed and cut and burned. And then we had some places where we can get better. Um, the smashed and cut and burned stuff has been swept away, and now... Uh, as, the, as Pastor Nelson said, um, change is inevitable. It's just that you change for the best. So, I mean, there it is in the text. Uh, I'll leave you with that for a moment, but I want you at least to um, turn to two other texts. I normally don't run you through so many texts, but uh, i got to make way for Pastor Gaining if we're going to meet next week. And you've got this all under number nine, and you can sort of keep going. I'll run you to Galatians 6. So turn right in your Bible, about half an inch. We'll take you to the end of Galatians. And you know, Galatians is always said to be about the big gift, which it is, but the gift doesn't come without the life. And Galatians 6, 7 tells you, okay? Now what I want to do in the next couple of things is show you how to move from here to here. So in the growth mode, this can be very painful. All I can say to you is stick in. This is why for years and years I've said to you, it's the rhythm of the Christian life. It's the rhythm of the Christian life. You get up in the morning, you make the sign of the cross, you read your Bible, you say your prayers. You come to the Eucharist if you can be available at 740. 
You um, go through the day. You don't lie. You don't cheat. You don't steal. It was John the Baptist from last week. Avoid evil. Never touch evil. Never touch it because it will consume you. And live mercifully. That was John the Baptist last week. What should we do? What should we do? The kingdom of God's come. What should we do? Avoid evil. Live mercifully. Guess what? The world's going to push back against that, and that's painful. It's going to be painful like fire. It's going to be painful like having things smashed. It's going to be painful like having things cut off. <clears throat> it's going to be painful like growing too fast and you get Auschwitz slaughter. You never had that, apparently. Yes, well, yes, right. You never had, well, if you'd have grown to be seven feet, that would have made more sense to you. But then you'd be in the WNBA and you could, you know, buy the new building for us. So it all works together for the glory of God. <clears throat> all right, so here you go, Galatians 6, all right? So here's strength for you when now, on the days when you feel like people aren't getting their payback. And then, of course, the next thing, if they're not getting your payback, what should you, good Democratic Americans, do? Be proactive and pay them back. That's right. Help them is a little too Christian. We were kind of on the other track right there. Yes. If people aren't going to get paid back, by God, we'll pay them back. Yes, right, I know. See, you're too nice for that, Mrs. Hess, but some of us, we have a struggle with that. All right, so what, you know, when you're worried about, if you move from here to here, that this will never happen, here's a text for you. Don't be deceived. This is Galatians 6, 7. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will reap. If he sows to his own flesh, from that flesh he'll reap corruption. This is the flesh part. I'm angry day after day. It gets worse and worse. I can't even remember what really happened, but I'm happy to talk about what happened, even though I can't remember. I'll take everybody down with me. You know, that, that, there it is. If you want to sow that, then God is not mocked, but he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So at some point, this does discharge into this. It may be that you go back and forth between these two things. Normally, people have periods of painful growth, and then they, as the Psalms say, come from narrow straits into wide places. You come from these little tiny places, and then suddenly the world opens up. And then what normally happens is the world closes down again, and the world opens up. And one of the things as you go across your Christian life for you to figure out is to recognize in your own life when things start to close down because that's exactly the point that you need to do what is counterintuitive. When things start to close down in your life, that's the time to say more prayers, to read more psalms, to be more faithful at the Eucharist, to speak more kindly, to be more generous, to live a more Christological life. I know it's counterintuitive because it feels like you're living over here with forgiveness, and if you live in forgiveness, people won't get paid back. But then, of course, you can't live here. But then that's not good for you because that kills you. So how do you stay here? You pay attention to your life. When it gets narrow, you really pay attention to your prayers and to the Eucharist. And then, um, as verse 9 says, don't grow weary in well-doing. In due season, someday, out there, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. To lose heart is to move from here back to here or to stay here all the time. The reason you stay here is because you never feel like this is going to happen. Or if it starts to happen, you can never get enough. Because you like to give people just an extra, just to make sure that, you know, 
do it again. Or they got what was coming to them. Well, um, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good, really important, to all men. So you do good to people who are here, and you do good pe to people who are here. So you do good to everybody. Now, good doesn't necessarily mean giving people what they want. This is one of the greatest misunderstandings in this congregation. One of our greatest misunderstandings is if somebody's hurt, then somebody else has sinned. Sometimes to say to somebody, that's a lie and you shouldn't say it, it hurts them. But it's not wrong. Sometimes to say to people, you really have been well-blessed and you need to be generous, that hurts them. They need to rearrange their mortgage, you know, sell one of their four cars, maybe um, rent the vacation home for the summer. You know, that hurts them, but it's not wrong. Because we're so, so about our feelings. And if I hurt, then somebody else may be wrong. No, you have an external Christ. You have an external scripture that tells you what's right and what's wrong. It's extraordinarily important. Yes, please. Jack did it. The Psalms are full of that, aren't they? I mean, you, the psalm, you pray, I pray that I'll see their children dashed against the rocks. You know, when you let the mud go right up over their, their, the, 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 their nose and smother them. You read the Psalms? I mean, if you want the stuff, I mean, the stuff that's in the Psalms, that's like, someday I'll get to, you know. You know, I, you know, the thing is, is I don't. At that point, I think you have to read the Psalms as descriptive rather than prescriptive. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, but sometimes people bring it all. Yes, I know. I guess I'm trying to discourage that in both you and me. It's not a very good impulse, is it? I mean, to, to want to see the payback is not. Like, when, the, always these people who, there's every once in a while, about once a year, they're going to execute somebody, and there's always a dad whose kid has been hurt, and they always say, I'll shoot him, you know, I'll pull the trigger, I'll inject him. Yes. Yes, we, yes, we do. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. So the, the point is, we even in the hereafter, so, so we, we expect, we, we take some pleasure in just. So here's the thing. The question, let me just boil it down to you. The question is, do you take pleasure in anybody going to hell? And the thing is, is the Lord doesn't either, right? The Lord has no pleasure in anybody going to hell. There's no pleasure in people's kids being smashed against the rock. There's no pleasure, really, in people suffocating, you know, in the mud, the way that the Psalms talk about it. it I think what the Psalms do at that point is recognize that we have those feelings, and they, they always end with, but the Lord will sort this out. And there's something of like, just, just step back from that. You know, just step back from it. Exactly. Which is why I'm so frightened about righteous anger. I know it's talked about, don't let the sun go down here. You know, be angry, but, don't, but be silent, as the psalm says. Well, I don't know. You know, yes, okay, if you can pull it off, God bless you. So, um, I'm very nervous. You know, I still can never get to the end of this. Uh, I tell you what, just spin to Romans real fast. Just go left into Romans. I, you know, this is hopeless. Uh, 
because it's always attached to everything else. Um, I never, I look at, always look at these, and I always tend to look at the date, the day I dated these, and then I always realize I'm a month late, and I don't know what to do with that. Just look at Romans, um, if you would. Twelve. And I'll sort of leave you with this, or, or maybe I'll leave you with what's on the last page, but Romans 12. So here you go. And I just wonder if you could just play with this. You know, if you could just sort of play with this. This comes out of Psalm 103, but it's all over the scriptures. You can just play with this. Not here and here, but here and here. Um, not here, but here. So you want to kind of stand this half of the page, knowing that the Lord will take care of the balance. So here it is, Romans 12, um, 9. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor, being respectful to each other, right? Never flag in zeal. Be aglow with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Here it is. Look at this. Rejoice in your hope. That's right here. Be patient in your tribulation. That's right here, isn't it? Be constant in prayer. That's right here. Contribute to the needs of the saints. That's here too. And practice hospitality. So even though this is happening, you carry on with your normal life of generosity toward other people. Bless those who persecute you. That's right here. Right? Bless and do not curse them. Wow. So cursing them would be like this. Blessing them would be like this. Okay. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil. See, this is evil for evil. You know? Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. So never live in this. That doesn't mean justice is wrong. And I'm talking about the church here. That doesn't mean justice is wrong. It's just that um, leave it to the wrath of God. It's written, vengeance is my, I will repay, says the Lord. No, and now you hear Paul sounding strikingly like somebody else you know. Um, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For by doing so, you heap burning coals upon his head. If you ask me what that means, I have no idea. I've never quite been able to figure that out. But don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, here's the thing. That will destroy the church as you know it. And that'll probably be a good thing. So you might just ask yourself um, what it would look like if that was the church. I mean, it would destroy much of what this congregation is and it would be much closer to Jesus and it would destroy most congregations in the world because uh, that's not how most congregations are built but I just would suggest to you well you only have one life and you might want to put it toward um, being the sort of church that Christ asks you to be and that would be an amazing experiment if um, actually Christ walked in the doors 
And then he said something like, oh, this is exactly what I intended. That would be an interesting thing. So you might just, you might kind of think about that. Um, this will be ongoing, but uh, until then, 1 Peter 2, 23, trust yourself to the one who judges justly. The Lord will sort it out. All right, we should pray and do the next thing. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, thanks. See ya. We will see you next week. We'll go next week and see what happens. Thanks.